Our scripture reading this morning is Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of, and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is good to be with everybody this morning, a morning where we come together as a family as we focus on on God and give Him our glory, our praise, and we make that sacrifice and give Him our best. When when you walk into a store, into a department store, you walk in and usually after a few moments or right away sometimes, a, a sales associate will approach you and ask you, how may I help you? And what they basically asked is, why are you here? Why did you come into this store? You, you walk into a doctor's office and the reception ask, receptionist asks you, what seems to be the problem? And, and the question is really, why are you here? Why have you come into this office? You walk into a car dealership and 45 people come running right at you. And they want to know. Which of us are you going to choose? No, they want to know what they can do for you. And it's at that point that, that, that that's a dumb question. I came in here, and, then, uh, and this would be a good time for you to say, I came in here to get a shoe shine and pizza. You're there to buy a car or to look into buying a car, and so that's the answer you want. But someone, if someone walks up to my door, I want to know why they're there. I, I really do. If it's someone I don't know, I want to know why they are there. And if I see them out of the, the breakfast room window and they walk across that window and they don't have a brown uh, uniform on, and they, they don't have a FedEx uniform or a pizza uniform carrying a box, a package or a pizza, if I don't recognize them as that kind of person, then they come and knock on my door. I really want to know what they're there for because I know what the other people are there for, why they came. And so I stand up, look through the top part of the door, the glass part of the door, and I see, maybe I see they have a name tag. I can't read the name tag, and I definitely can't see the, who they're representing, but they have a clipboard. And I know that at that point, I know based on my experience why they came to my door. They came to tell me that I really, really need to spend a lot of money that I don't have on something that I didn't know that I couldn't live without. And that's most likely the explanation as to why they came to the door, especially during supper time when we're all sitting around as a family. It's really not that important why they've come to my door. And they'll, they'll leave in after attempts to overcome my objections, according to the script that they've been given, they will eventually leave. So why they came isn't a very important question, but why Jesus came is 
huge. It is a very important question. Why did my Savior come to earth? And it's likely that we all believe that Jesus came to earth as a man. We believe that He's God's Son. We believe He died on a cross. We believe that He rose again on the third day after He was put into the tomb. And we believe that He ascended back up into heaven. But if someone were to ask you, why did Jesus come to earth? Come, why did my Savior come to earth? Then we might a as answer a few things that we know for sure. But this morning I want to look at a few reasons why Scripture says Jesus came to earth. Do we really know why He came? And so th this lesson, I hope, will help us understand Christ's purposes to, to, as to coming uh, to earth as a man. And as I was getting the sermon ready and getting the sermon for tonight ready, I realized, hey, let's break this up, do a mini-series. I only preach once a month. The next time that I preach, uh, later on next month, I, on July 28th, I'll continue the one from tonight. If you allow me to do that, I'll continue the second part of this sermon uh, this evening. This morning, let's... Let's uh, entitle this lesson, Why Did My Savior Come to Earth? Let's say part one. And so we're going to make a little list. And we're going to start out with this idea, He came to serve. And you see Mark 10, 45, for even, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but He came to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. He came to serve. But serve... Serve who? Serve what? Serve why? Did you know that when, when I was in college and as a waiter up in Oklahoma, you made just a few dollars. A waiter's or, or a wait, wait staff's minimum wage was just a few dollars, and then you survived on tips. But now, it, $7.25 is a minimum wage for all, all tip-oriented oriented jobs. And so $7.25 minimum wage plus tips. Some waiters and waitresses will make an average of $13 an hour. The average in Texas is $13 an hour. So $7.25 plus whatever tips you make. Now, some people, some, some waitresses, wait, waiters, food servers, will make much more in tips than just $13 an hour. Some will make less. Why? Because a well-tipped food server, waiter or waitress, they will be attentive. Their goal is to meet the needs of the patrons. They will pay attention to the, to the needs and the desires of the com customer. They will be prompt. They will be courteous. They will be hopefully not too intrusive. That'll, that'll, that'll get the tipometer a little higher. They will be pleasant to their customers. They will make the customer feel like they are a priority because that is their purpose to serve. And the better they are at it, we call it the tipometer in our, in our family, and the better they are at, at, at taking care of us, the, the higher the, tip, the, the needle on the tipometer goes. But you think about Jesus coming to serve and what was his purpose. Why did he come to who was he going to serve? 
But he did come to serve. And he came to serve God's purpose for one. To do the will of the Father. And he makes this statement in John 6, 38. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the Father, but the will of him who sent me. So God's will is what? He wants to do what God wants him to do. And God's will is what? That, that my son is going to go down to earth. That's God's will. My son, because these people I love are in, in a desperate situation, he's going to go down and be a savior for them. My son, I want him to go down to a hopeless people and give them hope because God's, God desires all men everywhere to get to heaven. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. So Christ's purpose for coming to the earth, one of the aspects of, of Christ's purpose was to serve. To serve what? To serve God's purpose. Another is to serve as, a, as an example. We just read Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let's go back there. I'll give you a chance to get there. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And I want us to notice a few phrases, a few words groups in here in this little section of Scripture. And you see, Jesus came to serve as an example. An example of what? Well, an example of obedience. A perfect example. An example of humility. A perfect example. We're at Philippians 2.5. And so we want to have the same mind as Christ. Well, what was his mind like? In, in 6, who being in the form of God, he was God, but he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God or something, your, your, your translation might, something to be grafted, equality with God, something to be held on to. He didn't consider that. In other words, he humbled himself. He understood what it was going to take to serve God's purpose, and he understood what it was going to take to come down to save us. So he didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. Here's what he did. Made himself of no reputation. Now, aren't we supposed to be doing that as Christians? We, we look at our lives and we think, and it's so hard not to think this, I am important and I need some me time and it's all about me and I need to focus sometimes on myself. Jesus, God's son, God, who is also God, decided... God decided and he agreed to make himself of no reputation. Taking the form of what? A bondservant. Someone who is indentured. Someone who is going to obey the wishes of their master. And then he came in the likeness of men. Verse 7 and then 8. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. And when we become Christians, we make a decision. We're going to bow down. We're going to lower ourselves and raise up Christ. We're going to esteem him. We make a decision to get as low as low as possible because we realize where we are and where we aren't and where we need to be. And the only way that's going to happen, we will be exalted when we lower ourselves. And then we want to be obedient to death, a spiritual death where we put to death our old man when we go down into the waters of baptism and we die to ourselves and that old man dies and we're, we come back new. We want to be obedient to that death. And then as Christians, are we willing to die for the cause of Christ? 
That's a hard question. I don't want to ponder that for too long because it makes us uncomfortable. But Jesus is the perfect example. The perfect example of obedience. The perfect example of humility. And if we ever struggle with that, we all we have to do is look toward Christ. Our Savior came to sacrifice Himself. That's the second thing, the second reason. Our Savior came to earth to sacrifice himself. Let's see this picture. This woman's name is Elizabeth Joyce. The baby's name is Lily. Elizabeth had been battling cancer and she had gone into remission and she had been in remission for three years. But sadly, the doctors told her because of all the chemo that she had to go through, the process of healing, they said, you will never be able to have a child, which broke her heart because she so wanted to have a child. And then she got pregnant. And her and her husband, they were ecstatic. Because she was in remission. And now she's pregnant and they, they, this family is flourishing, getting ready to flourish. And a few weeks after they found out that she was pregnant, they found out that the tumors had come back. So their joy turned to heartbreak for Elizabeth and her husband. And then the doctors presented her with this challenge. You can survive for a little while longer. If you go through this process, to go through chemo again, you could survive if you terminate the pregnancy and begin treatment. Or if you don't, you're going to die. If she were pregnant, she wouldn't be able to have the MRIs done and she wouldn't have, be able to have the tests done to see if the cancer is spreading and to see where the cancer is, might be spreading So she decided, and I, I think every mom in here would decide the same thing. She would die. She would carry the baby to term, and she would die. She would make that sacrifice. March 4th, baby Lily is born. Healthy. She finally got to come home a few days later. But then... Elizabeth had one night at home with her baby before she died. When she became pregnant, she didn't know. It was a huge sacrifice, very touching sacrifice, a very hard decision to make. And her husband, Max, had to go through that process of accepting it and going through the process of saying goodbye to his wife and hello to Lily. But she made that decision. But when she got pregnant, she had no idea that she would have to make that decision. And you think about Christ. You think about the sacrifice that he made. Jesus comes to earth. He knows exactly what's going to happen to him. That he would live to die. And then he would die so we can have the opportunity to live without sin. And get to go to heaven. He knows exactly what's going to happen to him. And he goes through with it anyway. The perfect example of sacrifice. But that's why he came. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared. Why? To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so there's a decision made. Live, they die. Die, they live. And he made that decision. And we are so incredibly thankful.
that he did. Incredibly thankful. Jesus came to sacrifice himself. Jesus came to seek and save the lost as well. I'm showing you this picture of a nail. I had a friend in Oklahoma. I have a friend. He's still in Oklahoma. But several years ago, he was telling me that he, as a little boy, oh, his dad started this construction business, and he would build houses and sheds and garages and other buildings. And, and as a little boy, my friend said, oh, he wanted to help so badly. And so he would hang around and begging and begging, what can I do? Can I help you, Daddy? And Daddy finally said, yes, you can. Here's a job for you. Why don't you start collecting all the bent nails that we dropped? You do that first. And you, you straighten those nails out. And I'll give you two cents a nail for each straight nail that you give me. That's daunting. I mean, this house, that the, the first house that they were working on was huge. And this, he's a young man and he's looking at all these nails. And you think, how am I going to do this? So here's what he did. He took a string and he put a big magnet on it. And he just walked around the, the perimeter. He just walked around dragging this magnet. And the nails were attracted to it. And he collected nails. He sought them. He retrieved them. But he didn't save them. Until he started hammering on them. Hammering on them. Some were still not usable, but man, when he got done with those nails, straightened them out, he made quite a bit of money. You know, my friend wouldn't have collected any nails if he had just thrown the magnet on the ground and just stood there. But we read in Luke 19.10, the Son of God, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. And you think about the process. He comes to earth. He has a message. He has information that would get these people, his listeners, his followers to heaven, how to be saved. And, and for the hopeless, it's filled with hope. What an attractive message. And so as he's, and he didn't just stay in one place and let the people come to him. He moved around. And you think about this idea of moving around. And as he moved around, and he moved around a lot, and he was sharing this message, this information. And as he went through the towns and the countrysides and the hillsides, he was attracting people with this message. We read about multitudes in the New Testament as he's living his life. And he collected people. He collected bent people. And as he taught, he's pounding information into their heads, pounding this information into their hearts, and they start to get it because he takes the bent people and he teaches them that they are bent and he teaches them that they need to be bent. I mean, need to be straightened out. And that's a process we go through as well. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And he did it in a way that we can model. 
And the apostles and the new Christians in the New Testament, in, in starting in Acts, they did the same thing. They had a message information about how people can get to heaven and spend eternity with God. And they shared that gospel message and they went places. They didn't just stay in one place, but they moved around. As they moved around, they attracted people with this message. And as they attracted them, they just pounded information into their head and heart. And it worked. It worked. These people's heart became soft and they understood what they were saying and they were straightened out. And the same thing happens today as we go through life when you share Jesus' message, the gospel message. Listen to 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, Paul says. And then our Savior came to earth to seek and save the lost and, and find and straighten bent people. Mark 2.17 just simply says, Jesus having saying, I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I came to call these people to straight to get straightened out. I've thrown at you three reasons that Jesus came to earth to serve, to sacrifice himself, and to seek and save the lost. This last couple of questions, this, and I'll leave you with these questions and for you to answer on your own. Are you bent? In other words, have you not been straightened out by the blood of Christ? Have you not, because of your belief based on your belief that he, you believe that he is, Jesus is the son of God, and you understand that you are bent up and you need to get straightened out. And so one of the steps you're going to take is to repent of your sins, turn around, start going in a different direction, start that process. You're going to confess Christ before men and then you will be baptized into Christ and you will come out looking like new, being made new spiritually. If, if you're still bent and you haven't gone through that process, you need to, you need to. And if you're a Christian and you need to be straightened out again, you know what you need to do. You, need, you, know, you know how to do it. You know that we, would go, that we would surround you with love if you were to come forward asking for prayers for any reason we would surround you. And so if you're ready to, do, to, to get straightened out in one way or another, if you're ready to put on Christ or you're ready to back, be reconciled to Christ, asking for forgiveness, repenting as a Christian, then let us know about that. If there are any other needs that can be met by coming forward now, please do so as we stand and as we sing.